lot to discuss today on the show. We got Kyle Schultz in the studio and Jack joining us virtually. And we're going to have a guest joining us as well. You guys' favorite, Stat Sean, as I'm calling him. That's right. Um, bringing some new words, new terms that I'm a big fan of today to the show. Woba. Woba. Woba's coming to the show today. But Jack, breaking it down for you. Uh, today, we're going to start with talking about Zerlag. He's on the move. Then we're going to go into our award ballots, Jack and I. I'm talking about who we picked for each award. Then we'll have the statistician, Sean, join the call. And then to wrap it up, we save best for last, of course. We wanted to bask in the glory of our recent wins here in the room between national champs and playoff winners in the NFL. So good vibes today, Jack. Vibes are high? Vibes are high. Very high. Very high. We're hot here in the state of Michigan. The weather's cold, but we're hot. We're hot. We're staying hot, and we plan to keep it that way for a few more weeks. So... This is the Pipe It Up Podcast. Cue the intro. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pipe It Up Podcast, the official podcast of MLW Wiffle Ball. A lot to get into today, but first things first on the docket, Brendan Zerlag, the Great Lakes Skaters captain, is on the move. We have the commission on the scene today in the studio to discuss that move. Jack, virtually. Uh, Kyle, how do you feel about this? Uh, it's an interesting move. Happy for us to like to get a new environment and uh, opens up some interesting possibilities for sure. It does. It does. Um, he's, so he's stepping down from his role as manager and he is looking to continue to play as a player elsewhere. He's departing ways with the Gators who he joined and formed the team actually in 2018 in the MLW, the minor leagues, the AAA right. league. Yep. And then came in in 2019 uh, with the squad, did not have a great year. But then in 2020, when the draft started, he added both Jorgensen and Cheatham, won the World Series, that first real Gator season, their coming out party. But since then, things have gone downhill, and uh, he has decided to move on. And I think for me, as a bystander looking at the situation, uh, I don't hate it. You know, I think it's good for sometimes for players to have a nice, clean slate, mm-hmm. especially if he wants to keep playing, and I think he does have potential. Uh, in 2021, I think that was his best season of his career at the plate, at least. I think he hit 262 and hit five home runs, including a postseason home run was his sixth one on the year. So he's had flashes. He's had flashes, but I think right now the group is just not uh, producing. So a little shakeup, and he's actually going to step down as the manager. So, Jack, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, um, number one, I think this is a unique trade with Zerlag being a manager because I feel like some of our fans... Um, and probably some of our players too have just thought that managers are sort of completely off limits when it comes to trades. Um, and for the most part, I think that's true. Um, but this, tr- this trade obviously kind of breaks that, that mold there. So really anything can happen here in MLW. Um, well, this is actually a good question for Kamish. I want to end it up really quick, Jack. This is a, a good question for Kamish yep. because with him stepping down and saying he wants to leave, like, what, what can the Gators do here? See what they can get for him? Or is this like a free agency thing? Like what's really happening behind the scenes? Well, when it comes to trades in MLW, we always want it to work for every single party involved. So Zerlag, whoever he's being traded for in both teams, we want to make sure they're happy as well as if me and you think it's a good idea for just the league in general in both teams so that everybody's happy and everybody wants to be excited going into the next season. Mm-hmm. So it could be a player. It could be for picks. Um, everything's on the table right now. There was a lot of suitors of Zerlag. A lot of interesting possibilities within the comments and DMs saying like, oh, we could definitely go to this team or this team or this team, which I thought was really cool. But I can tell the fans right now the deal is actually done and we're actually set to announce it um, the day of when this podcast is going to be going out okay. on uh, Tuesday. So look out for that uh, Instagram post and we'll be posting it everywhere. But 
the deal I do like, I think it makes a lot of sense for everybody involved, like I just said, but um, yeah, it, it doesn't happen often. I think it's, it might be the only time in the modern day MLW, I think it is, where a manager steps down and wants to be on a new team. Mm-hmm. So unprecedented, but yeah, at the same time, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and the reason I interrupted you, Jack, there is because you were saying trade, trade, trade. I just wanted to make sure there was interest for Zerlag for a trade, and he wasn't just being let go off into free agency, no man's land. So sounds like there was interest, and there is indeed a trade in place here. I mean, Zerlag's a good player, too. You, you talked about the uh, flashes. He was. You talked about the flashes. Maybe the motivation dwindled and phased out at the end when the team was struggling. Mm-hmm. But you think about the playoffs that he was in, and winning it in 2020, being a key piece in that third spot in the lineup, getting walks and getting key hits. 2021 had some big hits in the postseason as well, um, especially against the Eagles. I remember it was the 2021, I think, NLDS. Hit some big hits, maybe a home run in that series. Sorry, guys, if I'm congested too. I've been really sick this past week, if I sound funny. But uh, he's been in some big games, good player. I just think he needed a change of environment. Um, I think you can maybe tell that in the videos um, in the second half of the year. He might have just not been um, feeling the way he usually has at the Meadows. And I think it, it was just kind of writing on the wall for him to get a new team. And I, I'm fully supportive of our players and making sure they're happy. So that's why uh, when Zerlag came to me and uh, came to me with the idea, I, I heard it and um, respected it and obviously supported it. How do you look at and evaluate Zerlag as a player as he stands right now, Jack? As a manager yourself who's won a Manager of the Year award in line to win another one maybe, I know you're a touted manager in this league. So uh, what, how do you evaluate him? Yeah, I'm really pulling for most clutch uh, more. That's the, that's the award that I'm focused on. Um, but no, I think uh, Zerlag's interesting because I don't know if um, his role really commands enough for a draft pick. So I kind of see this trade working out um, w- with it being actually like a player for player trade or maybe a couple players depending on who they are. Um it's 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 sort of interesting because you think like okay what team would would benefit from having Brendan on their team and what would they give up? Um, I kind of think of the Diamondbacks as a team that might be looking to sort of replace Michael Shima with a guy who Ooh, has experience in the league. Um, you know they they have they have Jonah who um, he's he's well he doesn't hit lefty does he? No he hits he righty so that that would be adding. That would be adding like a lefty to their lineup, obviously. Um, just a guy with experience. And um I think Jimmy sort of he he he's got an eye for talent. We know that too. Um and I think Brendan has shown that in the past. So it's kind of just I think finding the right spot for him to to have a bounce back year. And for the Gators, you gotta think that they're looking to probably bolster their bullpen a little bit. Um so you know, maybe if uh, maybe if you know Jimmy feels like he doesn't need Trey Flood anymore, that could be a young guy that I, I see the Gators maybe going after um, okay. to kind of bolster that bullpen because they struggled a little bit on the mound this year, obviously. So um, I don't know. We'll see. But um, that was one that kind of stuck. That that kind of came to my mind as a possible landing spot. Yeah, Jimmy's always making moves, so I'm always he's always on my radar as a guy who's looking at guys that are looking for new homes. Exactly. You know? No, I think uh, I think any team would love to have Zerlag just as an option there at the the three or four hole in the lineup. Um, and like you guys pointed out, the Gators actually don't have a draft pick this year. The the only team in MLW to not have a draft pick this year. So that's obviously been um, part of the talks here in the trade with Zerlag and that's that possibility opening up. I think all of MLW would love yeah. to see the Gators acquire a draft pick or two, one way or another, whether in this deal or another deal. So 
Um, that's kind of the route that I think this might go, but we shall see, I guess. And I wish the best of luck to Zerlag too. I will say, yeah, a fresh environment can help. You know, I've feel like my mm-hmm. career sort of was rejuvenated when uh, like we got Robles and I didn't have the full pressure on me to be the guy <clears throat> in the batting lineup. So I think just a small tweak like that can get a little bit extra pep in your step as you are a veteran in this league, Zerlag. So you never really know. I, I wouldn't say he's someone on like high on my prospect list. I did not try to make any offers for him. But I do wish him the best, and I think that if he plays his cards right, puts in some work, and uh, tries to reset the brain, he could be successful. Hey, Zerlag's good vibes, too. He's a good vibe um, guy. He's a good vibe guy. He's not a bad guy to have in the clubhouse. No, not at all. Not at all. I agree. I'm, I'm going uh, to go out on a limb here, um, shoot my shot, and put in an early, early ballot for next year's awards for Brennan Zerlag winning Manager of the Year. Um, by trading himself <laughs> um, and the Gators then having an immaculate season. What a turn of events that would be. Well, yes, let, if, let's, you know, Brendan, Brendan's last move as acting manager would be to rid himself of the organization and then they go on to <laughs> to have success. I mean, he'd have to be manager. He'd have to be on the ballot at least. Well, that's what I'm thinking. If, if the Gators were to turn around next year and this move is a big reason why, who do you give the award to? The new Gators manager or Zerlak himself who stepped out? It's or got it's gotta be Zerlag, man. He he was the acting manager that made the trade. So I I my vote's for him. I guess it goes on the would GM. Would be for him. The GM would have to be whoever's the, the acting role. But yeah, so the Gators will have a new manager in 2024, whether that is an existing man on the roster, somebody else. Time will tell, like Kyle said, uh, some announcements will begin happening this week. So stay tuned on Instagram. I'm sure we'll repost them as well on our own our own platforms. But exciting. Getting the offseason the new the new year rolling. I know, not even just the whole Zerlag thing, but the MLW hot stove has been cooking this past week. Ooh. It really got started. I don't know what it was, but I think I dropped that um, draft uh, order graphic a couple weeks ago that got the like got the brain stirring across MLW in, in the managers group chat for sure. So, um, I, I mean, every every team is super dedicated and wants to win this league, so they're doing whatever it takes to make sure they have the best possible roster heading into the 2024 season. I got a guy that I want. I would love to make a trade for, but I don't, I don't know. Do I reveal a name? Name drop. Do I name drop, Jack? What, name what are drop. you feeling? What's the vibe tonight? Name name drop. Come on, come on. Oh, give these lists. I'll tell you one guy I've always wanted to have on the Wildcats. If you do, if you say okay, yours, I'll, I'll say mine. I'm looking at sophomore, the big Pish, Jacob Pishka. Yeah. I would love to be in the Kelly Green next year. However, his manager is stingy and is not entertaining many of my offers. So trying to make it happen. I would love to have Pishka in my, in my lineup. He's got a good stick. But, uh, yeah, what's your name? That's a good one. I've always liked Jonah. Jonah. I always think uh, a, a great lefty pitcher in MLW is super effective and maybe a little little even underutilized just because guys don't really see it often. Um, so I think he, has, he always has great potential in the league. And obviously facing off against him in the uh, 21 World Series, we saw the best of him. And I just think he's a great player and a great bat too, of course. Mm-hmm. All right, Jack, your turn. Name drop. Let's go. Pull your weight in this conversation. Uh, uh, I would say, I would say, it's always been uh, a dream of mine to reunite with Alec oh. and play again with him <laughs> on a team because just had so much fun. Obviously, um, that was kind of my initiation into the league with the Predators. So reuniting with him would be awesome. Go, w- go pull a Zerlag and trade yourself, Jack. Yeah. You already got <laughs> I your, could, you got yeah, your or ring. maybe I just, maybe I just talk Warda into trading himself. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I will say, if I could go dynasty mode on an MLW video game and play with some classic teams, I'd say 2017 Mallards would be my first choice, but then I'd go 2016 Preds with a rookie, Jack Agner, just an absolute spark plug in that lineup. <laughs> what a fun team to watch. 
<laughs> I, I'm serious. One of my favorite moments is that four home run sequence of you guys against the Seahawks. It's absolute gold just watching that from the lens of like knowing how young we were and just having fun in high school, you know? I got a couple names that I think could jump into MLW right now and still succeed. 2011 Jack Chevalier, if you guys remember him, and 2013 Mike Duncan. Two elite players that I think could still get back the wiffle ball bug if they wanted to. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Another one I would throw out there is uh, Jack Krause. I feel like Jack Krause could come yep. back and be yep. great again. He's he, he played a little bit more probably modern, 2018 maybe. Um, I think he just graduated. He went to Bowling Green for baseball. I think he might have just graduated from there. You can mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, Tom. But I don't know if he graduated. He played baseball there for yeah four years or whatever. But yeah, so he's an athlete right. for sure. Yeah, he's an athlete indeed. We've had a lot of athletes. Low key, we've had a lot of Division One talent roll through <laughs> MLW, even pro talent, yeah. like Ramirez. But I mean, off the top of my head, I'm thinking Jack Agner, which was a different sport, but still Division One athlete. You had Kraus. You had both the Hopman brothers. I'm sure he had Crespi, yep. who was a hockey guy. That's a pretty good sign, honestly, um, as a commission. It's like, <laughs> it shows that people are really, the, the guys you have in the league just are competitive in nature mm-hmm. and that they just, whatever it is in their life, they just want to add this, another league to their competitive juices and want to just compete. And that was just Division One. We have many, many other college athletes in football, baseball, oh yeah, all that kind of stuff. So definitely some good athletes in MLW throughout the years. I'm not one of them necessarily, but I do my best to blend in, you know? Don't sell yourself short, Tom. We got some. We got some some smart kids too. A couple thirty six ACTs in our league. Yes, that's also so, true. Some people. Mm. You know what we should do? We should not reveal it. We should have people DM the pipe it up count. There's two people in MLW history. Yes, MLW history with perfect scores on their ACT. And I want to see if anybody can guess the two. Ooh. Once again, oh, I think I know both of them. Once again, not guilty. Not me. Was, not Tom. Not me. <laughs> it was not me. <laughs> But I had a respectable score. Not, not me. Try either. to guess my score. We have well. a great, we have a great group of high character, high charismatic, high character guys in this league. That's right, we do. One of those guys being Jimmy Norp, and the reason I name dropped Jimmy Norp now is because, um, as I discussed last week on the call on the pod, uh, Norp was not pleased that he was not a manager of the year candidate, and I posted that clip, and he was back defending himself, and I love it. Stirred up some controversy in the comments, and I appreciate all you guys weighing in on your opinions as well. So. While Jack and I are about to dive into our awards ballots like we promised we would, at some point here we should have Jimmy Norp joining our Zoom call, and then we can go back and forth with him for five, ten minutes. The commission can support his case on the ballot, and I can tell him why I didn't uh, fight for him further when he was not on the ballot. So we will get into that when Norp joins, but for now, Jack, it is time for us to reveal who we think deserves the awards. Mm, let's do it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You want to lead us off? Yeah, let's do it. Um, starting with rookie of the year, um, I you, I can't even say that I was biased at this point because the whole ballot was uh, was <laughs> yeah. Magic players. Um, so pretty much take your pick. But I'm gonna go with my boy RJ. Um, I think it was really between obviously RJ and Grant. My sole reason for picking RJ over Grant for rookie of the year is that. I feel like RJ is more of a rookie than Grant is, even though this mm, is Grant's first year in MLW. That's a good point. Um, Grant's like been playing wiffle ball for ages, and um, he's not really a rookie to the game. 
where RJ really hasn't been playing wiffle ball even that long. And not that long ago, he was, you know, coming to our tournaments as a fan, um, very new to the game of wiffle ball. And now, you know, led his team to a world series title, which is just incredible. So, um, RJ, my man, I think you deserve it. Um, either way, this, this award's coming home to the magic, which I'm stoked about. (laughs) Um, but yeah, well, I'm interested to see what the people vote for. This one will be in the magic training facility for sure. Um, I really like your perspective there, Jack, on how RJ is a true rookie, and I'm curious to see how the final vote turns out and if fans felt the same way. Because I do think, um, with all respect to AJ, I do think the Grant and RJ debate is like crazy. I mean, you could go either way. Um, I personally voted for Grant. Um, I know he is a veteran to the game, but he's a rookie to MLW, so out of fairness, I voted for Grant. And mostly because his numbers were, whereas RJ was, in my opinion, probably the best overall arm in MLW this year. He was by less of a margin than Grant was at the plate. Grant at the plate was like 100 points higher in average than everybody else in MLW. He also hit for power. He even missed a series and was still just as consistent all year long. And he did get on the mound a couple times and hold his own, if not like above average. So for those reasons, I voted for yeah. Grant Miller. But I do like your perspective a lot, Jack, on how you said that RJ is more of a true rookie because that is true. Yeah, that was that was really the uh, the deciding factor for for me there. Yeah, I got a comment. Uh, not not too much on this specific award, but just in terms of the Grand uh, Rookie of the Year award in general, it kind of reminds me of twenty twenty, where you had Cheatham who had a great second half, Jorgensen had a great full year, and then you also had Jimmy Nor put a great full year in second half to lead his D backs into the playoff race when they were like two and seven at the break. So, mm-hmm. um, one of the closest races, but I think uh, it heavily relates to that twenty twenty season where you have like guys that succeeded in different parts of the season and in different ways, pitching, hitting, mm-hmm. the clutch factor in AJ. So it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, I like it a lot. All right, Jack, gold glove. Gold glove. Um, I'm going to go with my apparently salty man, Hemi Norp. <laughs> uh, strictly because of the stats that we got from our guy, Sean. Um, some of those, I don't even remember the specific statistic, but... It had something to do with the the increased wins with having Jimmy out there in the field. Um, mm-hmm. The guy's just making plays all over the yard. He's been doing it ever since he's been in the league. This year was no exception. A lot of great names on the ballot, a lot of deserving candidates, but I think Jimmy Norp deserves this one. Yep, that is the same name that I penciled it on my ballot as well, Jack, was Jimmy Norp. Uh, I just think he's so, so, so consistent out there. He makes the tremendous plays. He makes the routine plays. He also has a great baseball mind, so he does things like holds runners and, you know, will hold a runner and then go to first or, like, as soon as he catches a ball, get the ball to the next base for a guy tagging up. His baseball IQ is very high, and it translates well to wiffle ball, and he's just a tremendous defender. Ground balls, balls in the air. He does it all well. He throws the ball well across the diamond, which doesn't sound like much, but we saw Daniel Schultz, one got away from him in the World Series, and Jim somehow always puts the throw right on the money, and uh, I think overall he was the best defender in MLW this year. So I don't think this is his first Gold Glove award if he does win it, but I voted for him once again. Yep, so Jimmy's actually won the past two. And if, yeah. if that's a big if here, the, uh, I'm not giving away who won, but if he wins this one, he'd become the first player to ever win it three years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so, cool. I mean, it, it, it checks out. He's just that's a great awesome. fielder in all facets of playing defense, and uh, he would definitely deserve it. Mm-hmm. I will say, guys, today I have an excuse for the voice cracks. Yesterday was a Lions game, and I poured my soul into Ford Field for three hours. So I am actually shocked I can do this podcast today, but overall... It could be a lot worse, so bear with me on the voice cracks. But let's move right into Cy Young, Jack. Yeah, the grind don't stop, Tommy. Nope. Um, keep those voice cracks up. 
Uh, Cy Young, I'm going to have to vote for my division rival here, Ryan Cratched. Um, there were a lot of good, again, like I feel like all of these awards, you know, were very evenly like you could make a case for anyone on the ballot for each of these awards. Um, my sole kind of reason for picking Ryan was just his performance in the regular season from a strikeout perspective and an ERA perspective. Um, you know, obviously very, very low ERA, but similar to what you mentioned about Grant's, you know, gap between him and the rest of the field in his batting average, Ryan was kind of similar which with his strikeouts. I think he had like 20 more strikeouts than even the next person. So um, to me, that kind of just shows he was sort of in a, in a league of his own. I mean, how many videos did we put out where it was just him stunting on lineups, yeah. throwing no-look pitches, doing things that we've never really seen people do in this league? And it seems like every year he comes back with a new pitch, a new you know, a new arsenal, something to throw batters off and just keeps reinventing himself. So I think very deserving this year, Ryan crashed. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good vote. I, I respect it. I'd say he was number two on my list. Uh, I did give my vote to the rookie, RJ Walgate. And my reasoning, hey. Jack, was because you did mention how kind of my counterpoints to myself being that Ryan has a lot of flair, a lot of flash to his game. He can get so, so, so crafty, whereas RJ is much more traditional. I also think that Ryan did have a great regular season and he finished very strong. But RJ just sort of outlasted everybody on the mound this year and he had a tremendous win-loss ratio. He had he faced elimination three times in Atlanta and won all three of those games. And I think that right there alone is enough to sort of put him over the top for my vote. But um, like once again, great candidates. A lot of good arms in this league, Dallas even. Yep. I mean, the only so, thing I have to add is it's a very close race and you can... You can't really go wrong with either guy. Um, you look at Cratch with the sheer strikeout numbers. Has I mean, been, even Dallas was good, too. He's been doing that for the past three years. I mean, you look at Ryan's strikeouts. He probably leads the league at the Meadows in history. That'd mm-hmm. be my guess if I had to total it up. But, but then, yeah, you look at RJ's clutch factor and the, the wins he's gotten in the big games, especially in Atlanta. So um, both guys definitely have a case. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to clarify. I pulled up the the regular season strikeout numbers and Ryan Cratch finished the regular season with 84 strikeouts. Yep. Sounds about right. And the next closest person was Jordan Robles with 67. Yeah, that is crazy. That, that kind of shows you the, 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 the gap there. Yeah. And we're going to have Sean Huff join us in just a few moments here to kind of break down more of these stats and analyze further, really who he thinks from a statistical and analytical standpoint uh, deserves these awards. Now you guys already voted. Of course, this can't sway you one way or another, It'll be interesting to see who him being the Sean is statistician like, that he is. He's like the BCS computer poll, and we're like the CFP committee. Yeah, exactly. The people versus the computers. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see what the fan vote says as well. But I'll uh, I'll kick us off this time, Jack. I'll let you have the uh, the second voice on the most dedicated award, so a write-in award. And I'm going to put a name and throw a name out there that probably was not voted for by possibly anyone, but he wins it in my heart, and that's Greg Cratched. Okay. Ryan Cratch's father, Greg. Uh, nice. You guys saw him this year in the Derby video. Shout he, out to Greg. Uh, he traveled to two or three of our tournaments this year, including New York and Texas. So I'm talking cross-country trips. Uh, he's a big help at Wiffle in the Mitten as well here in Brighton. And uh, he went above and beyond what I would ask of any any parent of a player in this league. So shout out to Greg. Uh, you got my vote, Mr. Cratch. Yep. Um, I'm probably going to... Probably going to get the tears flowing here with this one, but I got to go with my boy, Tommy. Oh, um, Tommy, thanks, I just think you've been you've been so dedicated uh, to this, not only this podcast, 
um, this league, but just the overall vision of MLW and really just have committed so much of your time to, you know, this, this show, other content that you're doing, planning events, you're, you know, driving cross country. You're also managing a team, um, playing in these games. Like it's, it's a lot to do. Um, I know that, you know, it's a lot of time for both you and Kyle. And, um, I just, I feel like you've really shown, you know, a lot of dedication and I, I think that should be recognized. Thanks, Jack. Commission, a lot, a lot of good candidates. This I know one. this award's so tough because everybody's so dedicated. Mm-hmm. Not only just the managers, but everybody that helps, just with like filming at regular series with the iPhone cam when we told when we tell them to do that, and volunteering to help at tournaments or just random events, and traveling to tournaments, helping out with those. Um, they're just there's all all these things we take into account, and there are a few names that we had to probably like three or four that it was really hard to choose from, but guys that just really went above and beyond and. Uh, the winner, I think we do have the winner here and uh, I think he's going to be very happy to achieve it. And, um, he really, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it more in the award show, but he, I think was a step above everybody else. Is it Greg? I, it's not Greg, but uh, we had an idea. We I had tried. an idea, folks. There's some guys in this league. We kind of want to maybe name awards after like mm-hmm. the Greg crash, like most dedication <laughs> or like the, I don't know, like the Mark Schultz, Greg crash, like mm-hmm. the Schultz crash family award. I think it'd be super fun to entertain. So yeah. there's always, there's guys that will always be thought of when the most dedication award is coming out. Also, Brendan Schultz. I want to give him a nod as well. Yeah, it's true. He helps out at a lot of our se- special series and tournaments and uh, work in the front tent and checking in teams with the waiver mm-hmm. forms at tournaments. Like that's definitely does not go unnoticed too. So it's, it, it's kind of criminal to give it to one guy in this award. Yeah. Yeah, I like uh, that you guys made this award a write-in uh, response because really this ballot would be endless. Um, I mean, everyone, like you said, Kyle and MLW has been so dedicated, so involved. Um, and I'm really interested to see who ends up you know, taking this one home. I do like the idea also of naming awards after people. I think that's a pretty cool idea. <laughs> that is cool for sure. If Norp wins three in a row in Gold Glove, that might be, uh, that might be enough to plead his case <laughs> for the Gold Glove in this league. But... <laughs> We'll see. Once I win back to back to back MVPs, that'll be also the Coglin Award as well. But that give me three years, and that'll then that'll there you happen. Go. All right, I'll do one more first, Jack. Let's get into the most improved player. Another really tough one for me. Um, the really the two names that stood out to me a lot was uh, Trey Flood and Brendan Jorgensen. I ended up voting for Jorgie. I just think that uh, with the season the Gators had, what he did from start to finish pretty much was pretty impressive. I think you said he improved his batting average like 100 points. You mentioned to me when we points, got him on the ballot. Yeah, so a drastic improvement for him in a season where there was not a whole lot of blue sky there in the Gators clubhouse, but somehow he managed to produce pretty consistently and had a good year on the mountain as well. So for someone in a dying franchise, it's a rough thing to say, but a franchise that was in a, in a valley currently, not at a peak, in a valley, uh, for him to improve the way he did this year was quite impressive in my eyes. So I voted for Georgie. Yep, me and you, Tom. Uh, great minds think alike here on this one. I I also voted for Brendan uh, Jorgensen. I just think that you know what he did at the plate was was just so remarkable and um, kind of puts him above the rest of the people on this ballot in terms of most improved. He went from being just really another average hitter to a problem, quite frankly, in the lineup um, for people facing him. He was tied for you know second in the league home run wise with five. The only person who had more um, was you, Tommy, uh, at least in the regular season. And he did this all, like you said, with with not much of um, an optimistic outlook on the season because the Gators struggled 
throughout. I think he would have. I think he would say that he probably would have liked to have a better year on the mound. But even so, I think what he did at the plate is deserving for most improved. Yeah, while you guys have the same guy in mind, our fan base in whole cannot be more different. Uh, I can tell you the final, there's there's four guys that it was pretty evenly distributed against. Obviously, we did have one winner come about, but um, I'll say the four guys, not in any particular order, but Jorgensen, Flood, Walker, and Yurgaitis, Landon guys. that is. Those are the top four vote-getters in the most improved category. Yeah, Blade, I, I should have said Blade, too. He was... He was a big 180 this year as well on the mound, so that was a cool a cool story to watch unfold as well. But, but once again, you can make a case for all four of those guys to win the award. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, Jack, hit me with your most clutch player. Is it yourself? Most clutch, I voted for myself. No, I'm kidding. I voted for uh, my boy AJ. Um, I just think you know his performance in the World Series was so unprecedented. Um he was so clutch in that series and really was the absolute difference. Obviously had a phenomenal second half of the series pitching performance from RJ um, defense as well. But I mean, ultimately we've seen in playoff baseball and wiffle ball that home runs can, can really dictate a series. And um, AJ just really rose to the occasion was so clutch. So such a, just like stone cold killer out there, man. So focused um, locked in, had his eyes on the prize the whole time, and really just came up big in the biggest moment. I mean, there was no, there's no bigger stage all year long um, than Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and he answered the bell. Mm-hmm. I uh, I agree. I think when you think of the words clutch and this year, I think AJ is probably the first name to come to mind for most fans that watch our channel, even probably us. But I tried to take a little bit of a, a zoom out and look at the season as a whole. Um, what AJ did in the World Series was tremendous, and I think there's a reason that he won the World Series MVP because he was so clutch in that series. Was probably your most valuable uh, asset there late in that series when you guys won the games. However, I voted for Dallas Allen. I just thought him having to go up against the top two ranked teams in MLW back to back in the playoffs just to get to the World Series was crazy enough. And not just being there, the underdogs twice, but they were one and five, and then he just took charge and became a whole different beast on the mound. And he hit well this year, too. Not great power numbers, but just getting on base a lot. And he's a dangerous bat when you're up against him. So I voted for Dallas. I just thought he was more consistently clutch for the Eagles' season as a whole versus A.J. who probably has the leading case where he was just so clutch there at the end. So that's why. The uh, only thing I have to add there is it's pretty cool to see just how much our fan base will value individual moments versus uh, situations. Like you're talking about Dallas being up against the wall and facing a back-to-back champion who everybody thought was invincible and then beating them. But you look at AJ in a big spot, hitting a, a big home run to win the game, um, both clutch. And it's just a matter of what you think is most clutch and what you think the award represents. Yeah, true. You can interpret it a lot of different ways. It's like a fine piece of art. <laughs> All right. Winding down, Jack manager of the year. I voted for my boy, Dan. I think that Respect. what Dan did turning the, the Eagles around from a very rocky start, bringing together a group of kids from all different backgrounds, different ages, um, as we've talked about on the podcast before, just really sticking to his guns all year long. They sort of found their their rhythm in their lineup and in their bullpen, um, and he just stayed with it. He stayed the course and ultimately you know, took a team that everybody counted out in the playoffs, um, 
you know, people counted him out in the regular season and he got him to the playoffs. When they got to the playoffs, people counted him out and they got all the way to the World Series and played a five game series. So um, that's my vote. Manager of the year, Daniel Schultz. Yeah, it's crazy how an outcome can change when the Eagles were just one win away. Because to be honest, if they would have, you know, won that third game and swept you guys, I probably would have voted for Dan for this award for the reasons you just listed. But for the same reason that I voted for Norp for this award in the past, Jack, um, you got my vote. And just being what a healthy clubhouse you built along with a championship winning team. Uh, it was incredible to see you guys being uh, all not friends or having known each other prior to the season, just becoming one of the more strong teams chemistry wise in this league, like from the get go, just how encouraging everybody was and seeing RJ and you and Grant just become this dynamic trio of guys that are always just positive energy, that sort of thing. And that's just the, that's just the chemistry side of things. Whereas you have, of course picked up AJ who nobody drafted and he became arguably the most clutch player this season. And then getting Grant in the draft RJ at number three, who I also passed on, unfortunately. Um, so you drafted well, and you just built a really strong clubhouse, and you won the whole thing. So that's why you got my vote, Jack. Preach yeah. time. Yeah, I think this one comes down to just Daniel being unselfish and giving guys a bigger role, and then uh, Jack embracing new guys in the lineup and um, maybe letting other guys lead at times and just keeping everybody as one. So I think it comes down to Jack and Dan, even though Tommy was on the ballot. I was on the ballot, but I did not <laughs> get my own vote. <laughs> um Second to last award here is Silver Slugger Award. I think this was the easiest decision to make for me. Uh, did you feel the same way, Jack? Yeah, I think this is going to be, I mean, maybe not unanimous from the audience, but probably pretty close. Definitely got to go to Grant Miller here for the Silver Slugger. Yeah, I voted for Grant as well, and I wish it would have been me. You know, I, I uh, had a couple bad series that really hurt my average, but I did have a couple Silver, sl silver Slugger-esque moments this season, but... Grant from start to finish was just mm -hmm. tremendous. And like I said, his average is just so much higher than everybody else that it really put him in a league of his own this year as a hitter. So he got my vote as well. Yeah, definitely one of the most feared hitters that a lot of pitchers try to work around um, and will intentionally walk as well. Mm -hmm. He only missed one series and he still almost hit 500, which is in the regular season, which is just nuts. I mean, that doesn't happen anymore in MLW. Um, Landon hit 500 in the regular season, but... He, yes, he only played a couple exactly. series. So, um, I mean, it, that's tough to sustain for the whole year long. So I, I think it's very well deserving. He can do it all. Contact, power, um, it's all there. So Grant Miller, Silver Got Slugger. Good looking swing, too. It looks real nice. I say, oh, this, in a so I say this in a joking manner, too, but uh, we might have to inspect that bat of Grant's going oh. into next season. <laughs> if you guys didn't know, he uses a very specific model of the wiffle ball bat that... I am in particular considering banning just because I think it's better than the newer models, but obviously that rule wasn't in place last year and Grant took advantage. Hey, and he's still got to hit the ball. I'll say that much. And I it, I don't think it mattered with that bat speed. Yeah. So just, that's why I say it in a joking <laughs> exactly. manner. <laughs> exactly. All right. Drum roll for... Could've hit it, he could have hit it with a coat hanger, I think. <laughs> he really could have, I think, or a hockey stick even. Um, but I was getting into my drum roll, Jack, for... The MVP winner of this year. And this is actually a tougher decision, I think, than many years in this league. I think so. Uh, do you want to kick us off, Jack? I'll kick it off. Um, I agree. This is very, very hard. Um, very even race. I'm sure the votes are, are saying the same thing. I'm going to go ahead, double down here on my boy Grant. Um, I just think what he did at the plate 
was just like you said, like we've been saying, so much above what everyone else did. It's so valuable. Um, the pitchers have become so good in this league that when you have a guy who can so consistently get on base, uh, whether that's you know via hit or via walk, and can and has the opportunity to go yard at every single at bat, um, I just think he was by far the most intimidating batter to go up against, and he went from getting absolutely throttled in our first game of the year on the mound to pitching very valuable minutes for us at certain times throughout this year um, in in not only St. Louis, but also in the World Series when we needed him. Um, he really just was invaluable also in his leadership on our team. The things that don't show up in the stat sheet, um, we really struggled on defense last year and his communication in the field um, was just unmatched and made such a big difference for us defensively. And also his, his mentorship towards RJ, I think played a big, big factor um, in our success this year. So Grant's got my vote for MVP. All right, cool. I love, I love, I love a manager who rides and dies with the squad. I respect that. I do the same thing. (laughs) If it was, if it was closer, I guess Robles was also a candidate. So was I, but in my opinion, I, I think Grant Miller and Ryan Cratch were my top two candidates for this award. And I gave my vote to Ryan for back-to-back MVPs. And the reason being, Jack, I loved all your points and I agree with them. But I don't think that if Grant was doing the same amount of innings as Ryan was on the mound, that he'd be as dominant as Ryan is. Ryan being a, a Cy Young caliber guy. I think Grant was great in his role on the mound. But I think in order of just the most valuable guy who can really put a team on his back and just go to work, that was really Ryan this year. Um, the Preds season wasn't looking all that great at the All-Star break. They totally turned it around. He was a big reason why he started to swing it. He had a crazy series against you guys, a couple big home runs. So just from top to bottom, his game on the mound at the plate is top three in both those categories, in my opinion, right now. And I don't think that's true for anybody else in this league. So Ryan got my vote. And I'm curious to see what the statistician expert here, Sean, has to say about that conversation because... Maybe there's something there that I'm missing that really separates those two. So, Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me back, guys. No problem. Yeah, before we get into anything, I just wanted to say congrats to all three of you on the win yesterday. Let's yeah. go. We've been putting it off, and we're going to talk about it at the end. But we've been focusing on the whiff because there's a lot Forward going on right now. down the <laughs> There's a lot going on right now in the MLW sphere, so reel it back in, Jack, for 15 more minutes. Um, but, Sean... I'm sure we could talk to you for hours about anything statistics-wise because you have so much information. There are a couple awards in particular that I really wanted to do a deeper dive on if you have those numbers with you and are willing to. First one being the Cy Young Award because that's a tight race. Do you have anything to bring to the table in regards to Cy Young that you think was the difference maker when you cast your own votes? Yeah, so I thought Cy Young was the hardest vote this year. It was the only award where I really looked at the ballot and thought, oh, I could see this going to three or four guys, hmm. except for um, a couple of the non-statistical awards. Gotcha. Uh, most clutch, most dedicated, those any number of guys that of the awards where you're really going to be looking at numbers. This was the closest, in my opinion. I narrowed it down to four candidates and then eliminated one of them and got to a final three. And went from there. I thought 
Dallas, RJ, Cratched, and Norp were kind of my finalists. Yep. So the first thing that I always look at for Cy Young is just how many innings did you pitch? How many runs did you allow? So, and I, I do regular and postseason combined for this. I, I don't know if you prefer to stress one or the other. Nope. I think in this league with the, a long, like a postseason comparatively can be just as long as the regular season or almost. So that's fair. Perfect. Okay. So my first thing that I do here is I just multiply the league ERA by your innings pitch. And this is how many runs an average pitcher would give up in your amount of innings. And then just subtract how many runs you allowed from that. Mm -hmm. That is what brought me down to a final three. Uh, Norp just had a lot fewer innings than Dallas, RJ, and Crash. But then those three were really close. Dallas allowed... 19 fewer runs than an average pitcher would have. Uh, RJ and Cratch allowed 17 fewer each, which that that's not a big difference. That's too close to call in my opinion. Two runs is really nothing. It's crazy they're all that close, actually, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So from there, I went on to the style of pitching. Uh, my personal preference is someone who gets a lot of strikeouts, doesn't allow walks, and doesn't allow home runs because I feel like that is more under the pitcher's control than random balls in play that their defense may or may not make plays on. Interesting. I like this. I like that point. So when I looked at that, what I did was uh, look at percent of batters you struck out minus percent of batters you walked. And that's what did it for me. Cratched, I know I said last time, he struck out 57% of batters. Yeah, crazy. He also walked the fewest in this group. He walked 17%. It was a 40% difference. RJ was a 34% difference. Dallas was 30%. That made the decision for me. I went with Cratch. He did allow the most homers in the group, but he didn't allow very many fly balls, so some of that is just bad luck. Usually pitchers who allow a lot of fly balls give up a lot of homers. Is that stand true to baseball and wiffle ball, or is that MLW specific in terms of the fly balls and home runs? Uh, that's baseball and wiffle ball. What's up? I have a counterpoint. Um, would you say you'd put maybe some in some voters' eyes they put more emphasis on say elimination games or playoff games or World Series game fives like RJ would excel in, um, or or yes. do you not have um, sort of that kind of weight attached to games? And they're all on the same level playing field. I don't have that attached with Cy Young. I do take that into account with MVP and of course most clutch. Gotcha. Cool. But for Cy Young, I just. Tend to straight up go, who do I think was the best pitcher this season? Sure. All right. I like that. So what you're saying was through your lens and what you thought were the most important categories to analyze from a pitching standpoint, you thought Ryan was the, has the best case for Cy Young. Yeah. Now I wouldn't begrudge anyone who votes for Dallas or RJ or even Jimmy. Jimmy, I think was right up there with them inning per inning. He just had fewer innings pitched. No, this is great. This is why I wanted to have you on. Let's put some hairs into to hear a different yeah. perspective on it because this is more of a deep dive than I would do personally. So this is great. I'm really happy to that we had Sean on to explain the process I also went through to get to picking Ryan. I ran the same numbers, yeah. came up with all the same stuff. So I appreciate Sean just explaining that. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. Um, let's move into a very similar war, but on the offensive side, uh, Silver Slugger. Now, I think this one was less of a race, but I'm still curious to hear if you have them, what are the key factors that you look at and analyze when selecting a silver slugger? 
Yeah, I didn't think this was close. It's Grant. It's not going to be unanimous because some people will always just vote for their favorite player. Mm-hmm. But this is going to be about as close to a unanimous vote as you can get. Grant's numbers this year were ridiculous. Regular and postseason combined, he had a 688 on base and he <laughs> slugged a thousand. Mm-hmm. Like no one was even close in either of those. Uh, Jordan was a little over 600 and on base. And Jorgensen was over 700 slugging, but those were the second place numbers. So now I'm curious, what do you think, if if you were to look at one number, if you had to, I know it's tough, or maybe maybe even give two or three if you need to, but when looking at it, um, if the race was closer, is, is OPS the number you want? Is it home runs what you want? Is it average? What do you think are really the most defining numbers that'll make a guy stand out versus others that had similar seasons. My one number that I look at for hitters is called Woba. It's weighted on base average. Ooh, okay. So it's Woba. It's on the like same that. scale as on base where it's like zero to a thousand. Um, but it knows the run value of certain things. Like it knows how much an average single is worth, how much an average double is worth. Uh, and it can just figure out, okay, per at-bat, here's how many runs you were contributing above and out. So Grant this year was the league leader. He was 71 hundredths of a run per plate appearance. Then Jordan was 61 hundredths. Uh, Cratched was 51. Jorgensen was 53. Flynn was 56. Flynn. Landon was 51. Flynn getting on that leaders. list. I love it. Come on. I love that. That's cool. But that's the one number. And if, that's if Woba. I need one to go with, that's what I typically go with. Can yes. I get a Woba sign for this wall behind me? I, I think I need that on here. Somewhere. I like that that's, a lot. I like that <laughs> Just the equation the formula. I'm, all of a sudden, I'm a huge Woba guy. Absolutely <laughs> massive Woba guy. I love it. <laughs> all right, Sean. Um, one more before we get to MVP, I wanted to ask you about because this one, me and Kyle talked about how there was a lot of parody, and you said the, the vote had a lot of parody, which was most improved. Yes. Which can be more of a, I guess, opinionated vote and subject, or. Would it be subjective vote? Yeah. But what do yep. you think about most improved and what are the things that you looked at? Most improved, I made my decision pretty quickly on this one. Okay. Uh, so my thought process here is I don't want to vote for someone who's been good before. I view it more as a breakout award than a comeback award. Okay. And once again, that's kind of subjective, so that, but is, I, yes. I like to hear your opinion and I'm yeah. curious to see how the fans think too. So that eliminated Georgie for me. Yep who just statistically like compared to 2022, he was so much better in 23, Mm -hmm. but he's been good before he had a great rookie year. Mm -hmm. I didn't really view him as a viable candidate. Um, The other one who I eliminated right away was blade because even though he got better as the season went on, his first start was still, I believe a shutout with nine strikeouts. Yeah, I guess that's Hmm. fair. I mean, we just think of him as like not a pitcher in this league. So to see him, become one sort of out of nowhere yeah. was enough for me to be like, dang, he's a serious candidate for this. And like, yeah. so Kyle, before you got better as the year went on. to get you in on the loop here in the inside cir- circle here, the listeners that heard the whole episode already, um, the four candidates being blade Landon Jorgensen and Trey Trey flood. Those four were all within a few percentage points of each other in the vote. So that's how close it was amongst the fans. Okay. Yeah, I did vote for Flood. Uh, Landon was the other one I considered heavily. Okay. Uh, 
I probably would have voted for Landon if he played full season. Mm-hmm. But he missed so much of the year, I just didn't feel right voting for him. Okay. And I am an Eagles fan, so I kind of wanted to, but <laughs> I, I just couldn't do it. Uh, Trey was, he didn't have good numbers in 22. His ERA was over five, I believe. I don't have the career numbers in front of me. But then he was just so good this year. Mm-hmm. He, it was a 164 ERA. Like that's so much. It was like a four run improvement almost. He was starting two games a series sometimes. I just couldn't ignore how well he pitched, especially compared to last year. Now, last year was probably a fluke. It, it was a very small sample, and he mostly just threw risers, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. That's what kept me from... I, I voted for Jorgie personally, and the reason I didn't vote for Trey is, like you said, I think we just saw too small of a sample size for me to really consider this a drastic improvement. More, it was more like a, just a coming out party of like, oh, this is what he can be if he plays more. You know what I mean? That's why I went the Jorgie route. But uh, I respect your input, and uh, it sounds like you got Trey Flood. So I think, uh, like Kyle said, he did receive a lot of votes. It was very, very close. But now the moment we've all been waiting for is the MVP, the most valuable player. Sean, break it down for us. Who did you cast your vote for? The expert that you are. Yeah, so I'll just say right away, I voted for Cratch. He wasn't the only candidate, but I never really wavered in thinking that it was him. No matter how I looked at it, I thought Dallas was the closest. Not Tommy. He pitched. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sure. That wasn't a joke. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Dallas, I thought, was very close. Just the amount of innings he pitched in the playoffs were huge. But I scratched was the only one, in my opinion, who was both a Cy Young candidate and, in a normal year, a Silver Slugger candidate. Uh, he he wasn't exactly a silver slugger candidate this year because yeah. it was only one. <laughs> but normal season, he would have been. Mm-hmm. That two-way really just did it for me. Uh, Dallas would have been second, just the sheer innings pitched. And he was still, he didn't have his best hitting year, but he was still an above average bat. And Robles probably would have been my third place. I really value two-way play a lot. I would have been torn between Robles and Miller if it was a full ballot. That uh, I just couldn't ignore. In this day and age, is there a world where um, a one-way player, like say a guy like Grant Miller, say Grant didn't pitch this year in theory, is there a world where some guy can do so phenomenally either on the mound or at the plate that they can propel themselves over a guy who had a season like Ryan Cratched or maybe a year where there was a down year for two-year players, two-way players, excuse me? Yes, but I think it would have to be a pitcher. Because you can leverage a pitcher to throw like 80% of your innings. A hitter yeah. can only take like 30% of your at-bats. How do you feel about that, Kyle? I think it, I th- I think it could be a, a pitcher only or a batter only. I think if you had a, a hitter that had, you know, four or five walk-offs in the postseason, it was just the life force behind a team that propelled them to victory and represented the team in the year as a whole and had the stats to back it up, I think they could also make a case for them to make uh, win MVP as well. Yeah, if someone went off to that degree, I think so. Also, MVP is interesting too. Not only MLW, but when it comes to college football's Heisman or the NFL MVP, it's it's whether you you look at stats or true value of what the team would be if they didn't have them, or um, dual threat if they perform in uh, different facets of the game. So, in my mind, in MLW, it comes down to everything encompassed into the award and an overall view of their season. Hmm. Just a just a thing for the, so for the voters sh- out there. 
Sean, just to uh, play devil's advocate a little bit. Sure. Um, do you consider the fact at all that Ryan, like, cause you were comparing Dallas and then, you know, Grant was another name mentioned. Both of those guys, um, you know, got, they weren't the only reason obviously, but they got to the world series. Um, uh, whereas Ryan ultimately his season ended being, being swept, um, in the ALCS. So, and, and that's not a shot at you, Ryan, I promise, but I'm, I'm just making the case because some people I think would consider that, um, when talking about the MVP, it might be hard to vote for someone that kind of went out that way. So I guess, what do you take that into account or how do you kind of look at that? I view that as kind of a tie break. Like if there was two, if Dallas had been a little bit better and was basically tied with Ryan, then yeah, I would have given it to Dallas because he got further, mm-hmm. but it's a little farther down on my list. I think Jack, yeah, you and I came to sense. a very similar conclusion last week, actually, that it was sort of a tiebreaker type deal. Yep. Cool. Yeah. I kind of wanted to just see what Sean, what Sean had on that. I don't know if that was the last one you were going to ask him about Tommy, but I had a question because in when we first got Sean on, um, he mentioned a few awards that he that he labeled as non-statistical, and I thought I heard him say most clutch was in that category. But I feel like Sean's got to have some stats up his sleeve that would play into most clutch. Am I right? You're right and wrong. So, <laughs> Is there a clutch a Woba number in, that we can look at? <laughs> there's something Woba similar. Clutch there's, a, there's a stat in baseball called a CWPA. It's championship win probability added. Now, this is um, not impossible for MLW, but I'm not going to be the one to do it. It would just be too much. Too much. Also, now it's it fun to say Woba. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> it takes every every play you're part of and using historical precedent. Just how much did this play change your percent chance of winning the World Series? That's crazy. That's the that's what I used for most clutch. Now I don't have that number, but I thought in that framework. And I ended up with RJ as my most clutch just because I thought like the Magic's chance of winning the World Series after going down 2-0, rough number, I probably would put it at like 20%. And then RJ gave up one run in three games. <laughs> it's clutch. Yeah. Got that dog. That's pretty clutch. Him. Pretty clutch. But, cool. Well, all right, Sean, I really appreciate your time again. Uh, you were a fan favorite last time. Everyone seemed to really enjoy that fan episode <laughs> we had. So once again, I will look to have more fans on, more new fans outside of just Sean as well as having Sean on from time to time as well. But update on the award show, guys. Unfortunately, due to a little weather we had in the United States, if you guys didn't notice from the Bills game getting moved and whatnot, um, and other factors too, just things didn't work out. So we're actually filming the award show now this coming weekend, and the upload date is January 19th, I think. Well, we just moved it back a week, so now it's like the 26th. So now it's 26th. Okay, sorry. So moved it back. 26th is now the upload date. So we appreciate your patience on that, but to get you guys the best product possible, um, it worked out better for us the following weekend. So one more week, you got to wait for that, but now you can um, think about what Sean said, think about how what Jack and I said, and maybe think about if you uh, if your opinion has changed at all. And then Well, the it doesn't matter because the ballots are Yeah, close. I was going to say, on the 26th, <laughs> you're going to see what actually happened. So uh, good stuff. But Sean, thanks again. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks, absolutely. Sean. Yep. Thanks, Sean. Yep, thanks, guys. See ya.
Are you in a hurry to get out of here? No, I'm not. I can stay. Me and Jack need to bask in our glory now. We've we've come all this way. We haven't heard from Norp yet. No, Norp never joined the call, Jack. A few minutes. Um, we uh, before we get into the Lions talk, can I just yeah. two words? Yeah, for sure. Go blue. <laughs> oh, go. Right, we should we, should we should applaud the Michigan Wolverines. A lot of MLW players are Michigan Wolverine fans. So I don't want to divide. They did, I know they did bring it home. I mean, college football is a lot more regional and tribal. I don't want to, you know, yap on here in front, in front mean, of all the Ohio State fans and Michigan State fans. But I'm not gonna lie. It's probably one of the best weeks of my life. Yeah, I was I was sick. <laughs> I mean, the, I always try to bring it back to more of a general topic, and I don't want to hog the mic because, Jack, yes. I wasn't with you, but, man, how were you feeling yesterday after that big win, the Lions? <laughs> to put this in perspective for you guys, what this what <laughs> this like win meant, Jack goes into a monologue. I, I opened up my computer today <laughs> to plug in and film this podcast, and what is my screensaver? It's a picture of Matthew Stafford in a Lions jersey like this. That's my screensaver. So to have him come in and be the guy that we have to overcome, it was like the final, it was like the final stone in the, in the infinity, whatever, you know what I'm trying to say. It was the final piece of the puzzle of like, we had to overcome this um, to finally break through and we beat him at home in such an electric environment, which Tom can obviously hit on, but man, I just like I couldn't sleep. It was all I was thinking <laughs> about today. Um, I know my wife thinks it's the, it's just so dumb how excited I am over it, but I, I I I can't even put it into words to be honest. Does Sarah not roar on Sundays? Sarah roars. Um, she roars, but when it's like midnight and I still have like the the press the press conference on yeah. you know playing in the background and I'm scrolling Twitter and she's like will you please just go to bed um got a roll yeah it, <laughs> I think it got a little I, old, was, I was getting so many texts throughout the day but like I was also like with people at the game and doing stuff so I would like open my phone periodically for 30 minutes or like every 30 minutes or hour or so and answer my 10 texts and I would just reply roar to every single one just roar 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 getting everybody excited but no all I wanted to say is, of course, it was great. And if anyone's a big fan of anybody like Kyle in Michigan, it's always nothing better than your team winning after they haven't won in a while, even if it was just a, just a playoff game. But it's been 30 years for that for us. But the the phrase I've been using today when talking to family and friends is just, I feel like a lot of times in life you formulate a plan or you, you try to have a good time or do this or do that, and things just kind of don't work out how you thought they would. Things just don't go to plan. But isn't it nice, Jack, when things just sort of work out? Like everything kind of just falls into place. The dominoes fall and it's just beautiful. That was like the euphoric it's, moment it's that incredible. I had yesterday because you got to rewind a whole like 380 days. Rewind last year, Christmas time. I was on this podcast saying, yeah, I'm all excited. I'm taking my dad to a Lions game on New Year's Day for Christmas. Well, in short, those tickets I bought on Christmas were a fortune for that one game. So... We did that, and I watched us, and I our season wrapped up, and I'm like, man, I was like, this team is good, and I just, I could see it, man. I was like, next year, they're going to go to the playoffs. We're going to win the division for the first time. We're going to win this playoff game, and so I was like, I'm buying season tickets. I'm doing it. That'll lock me in for the playoffs for sure, and I'm going to be there with my dad, and we're going to witness it. It's going to be this great thing, <laughs> and just the dominoes fell, man, and you know, I'll be honest, it was a stupid amount of money that I like risked to get those season tickets. Um, I ended up like getting rid of most of them, so family and friends, and selling them online. So like, it worked out because they were good and people wanted to go to the games. But it was definitely a gamble, and it worked out, and we won the division, and then we go to the playoffs. I'm there with my dad, and we win, and like, they're running on the field, 
And my dad's cheering. I'm like, we did it. Like, it actually worked. My, my stupid plan actually worked. So it was just a cool moment. And, of course, I was crying last week about how, like, we deserve to have two home games, but we didn't have it. And, you know, prior to our game, Green Bay already beat the Cowboys. So, like, everything just, like, fell into place yesterday. And the final cherry on top was, yeah, we have the award show next week, which we're going to film on Saturday. And I was like, oh, the Lions are going to play Saturday, and it's going to be a bummer because I'm going to not be down there. And then now they're playing Sunday. So just everything just kind of worked out yesterday. And, man, does it feel good when things just work out. So that's my lecture. And if your NFL team is already out or if you're indifferent, root for the Detroit Lions, man. Fun group to root for. (laughs) Got to root for them the rest of the way. That's my monologue. It really is. It really is, um, I hate to say it, it really is dumb how much time and effort and just like how much this stuff affects our emotions and just general outlook. But I can't agree more with you, Tom, just how sweet it feels when the little things just go right. And like, we've, you know, I, I just, I, it wasn't that long ago where I couldn't even imagine the Lions hosting a playoff game let alone winning one um, in that fashion with that environment. I mean, there was so much pressure on this team even before like going into the year. Like It was expected of them to win the North. Um, And if you guys have, even if you're not a Lions fan, if you've watched the NFL at all um, throughout your life, you know if the Lions have any sort of expectations, they up until this point have not reached those. Exactly. Um, I was scared. Like you said, just... Just to have it actually go as planned, it's like, wow, we expected them to win the North. We expected them to host a playoff game, and they actually won one. It's just like, I, I, it was like almost an out-of-body experience. Like, is this really happening? Like, they're kneeing the ball with like, you know, they're kneeing the clock out. I'm trying to do the math on the fly. Like, <laughs> Me too. are they sure that they yeah. can knee this out all the way? Like, are we sure? Are we sure? Yeah, because you never so, with yeah, the Lions, just, man. It's never over till it's over. So I'm, you never that's why know. I said like it's, when they were finally like the run on the field, and I was looking around, and I was like, it it worked. It actually happened. So it was funny. Um, but yeah, what a that's day! So cool. I'm, I'm so happy that you got to uh, experience that with your dad. That's that's unreal and something you guys will never forget. And you too, Kyle, as well. Um, you know, yeah. get, congratulations. Obviously, Michigan Michigan State fan here, but congratulations and getting that experience um, with your family and, you know, your, your, your parents and brothers. I mean, that's just, those are memories. Like, like I right. said, it's kind of dumb, but at the same time, it's like, it's the little things and you remember that stuff forever. So yep. um, yeah, uh, it, all around vibes are high in the state of Michigan, despite the cold weather vibes are high. Vibes are high, even though it's cold. We're staying, we're staying hot for yeah. sure. I appreciate it, Jack. Yeah, definitely some good times here in Michigan. And uh, hopefully the lines can keep it going here. God, keep it rolling, man. Keep it rolling. We need this. <laughs> Could you imagine a Super Bowl party at Tommy's household with all the MLW guys there watching our team? No, I can't. I think I'd, <laughs> I think I'd throw up before the game. I'd be so nervous, like, literally. I will say, too, is that I'm usually, uh, I don't know what kind of people, I don't know what the norm is, I guess, but, like, when I go to games, typically, I'm usually, like, the quiet fan. Like, I'll cheer for touchdowns and whatnot, but I'm not, like, getting after it and yelling and screaming. But, mm-hmm. Jack, I left my soul my soul at Ford Field yesterday. Every play. Got to. Screaming on defense, Like, dude. me and like, Houston. Even in, like, the second quarter, I was like, man, I don't got much left in the tank. But I was looking down. I'm looking at our boys in the O-line, the D-line. I'm like, every play, they got it in. I'm, all I got to do is sit here and yell. I can't quit now. So, if every fan had that mindset, we'd be in good shape. So, I kept it going. I don't know how I have a voice, but I do. And just... I talked about how fair sports are important because of everything, but yeah, just bringing people together when you're leaving a stadium and everyone's just 
high-fiving and hugging. People are grabbing you. It's like, man, life is good. Well, that's why I'm sick right now, guys. Yeah. It's because I was <laughs> high-fiving and hugging like a million strangers yeah. in Houston at Energy Stadium. And like, yeah, I don't care if they're sick. Like, I'm, That's the only time I'm ever going to be in that situation. So, uh, yeah, just a crazy time. Kyle, Kyle's, been, <laughs> Kyle's been cooped up editing for an entire year. And then he, he goes out and yeah. swaps <laughs> swaps high-fives with everyone in Houston. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a germ a germ overload. All right, so we kind of checked off everything on the on the list today, Jack. We did not hear from James, so that story will prolong. We'll what, get him on here eventually. Join the Zoom? Never join the Zoom. Jim. He could be texting me. I don't have my phone on me because oh. it's filming. But, um, yeah, we'll get James on eventually. We'll, we'll chat it up with him, of course. It's always a pleasure having him on as well. So, without further ado, Daniel Schultz is currently studying abroad in Ireland. We will catch you all next week. Did we address why Zach Jack's on Zoom? I just said he's virtual. I mean, I didn't address okay, it. Okay, that's fine. Hey, guys. Uh, Jack's had car problems, so that's why he's <laughs> at home.